days when I was in the seminary, we used to um, process through the whole seminary um, down the hallways uh, with, the, with the cross and sing this, some glorious songs. And, and I was the head of music then, and, and it was just a, a wonderful feast. And then I ended up in my first assignment as a pastor in uh, Our Mother of Sorrows in South Central Los Angeles. So I really got to appreciate these two feasts back to back. I think in the seminary it didn't hit me so strongly, but when, when I was there in Mother of Sorrows, you, you couldn't miss it. And I suppose it has enhanced my appreciation even of these scriptures. But at the same time, I have to say, you know, I, I don't know where everybody is with this, but um, I, I always say if, if I help to free one person up uh, from um, the thinking that really bothers them. See, I just have so much trouble believing in a God that would send serpents to kill people. Oh my God, even if they're complainers, would you do that to your kids? Throw them into a scorpion patch or, you know, you didn't listen to me, so it just doesn't make sense. However, I do think that so much of the scripture, they're, they're teaching passages. And, and let's face it, guilt works. Guilt works in the short run. In the, in the short one, you can, you can get behavior out of children with guilt or fear. But in the long run, it's just destructive. I was just watching this morning because I always get up early and I prepare the scriptures and, and I watch a little YouTube because there's just so many interesting things. And, and there was a story of two brothers who were um, abused by their parents, beaten, not sexually abused, but beaten and by the mother and the stepfather. And they used to um, handcuff them to the cabinets or handcuff them around the wood cabinet, and that's how they finally escaped. One of the brothers got the idea to climb through the cabinet, come out the other end, and then they walked three miles down the road. Um, the mother got 26 years for it, and the stepfather, I don't know how many. But then something happened. Um, the grandparents took them in, and the, one of the brothers that was doing all the um, talking on this clip said that they were the most loving, um, affectionate, caring people that they had ever known and that it, it completely changed their life. It took all the sourness and pain and ugliness and fears and all that stuff and transformed them. And so I think we get a picture of that today in these scriptures. And actually, it's kind of brilliant how it does it. In the first reading from Numbers, we get that that story, because the Jews were in the desert and they were complaining, complaining, we don't like this food, we, give, we, don't, we want some meat, we want this, we don't, give us more water, and they kept complaining, so God sent the serpents to bite them and kill them, according to the story. And then Moses, they heard all the cries of the people, tell God to stop, please, please, we'll change. So Moses goes to God and prays, and, and God says, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to build a seraph, I'll say like a cross, a, a big pole, and put a bronze serpent on it. And if they get bitten, the way they can prevent themselves from dying is look up at that serpent. In other words, listen to what I tell them to do. If they obey me, I'll save them. So they did, and he did. Okay. Now we, as Christians, look up not at a, a seraph, but a, but a cross, and we're told by the gospel, 
look up at the cross. Because if you do, if you do, then you will be saved just like the seraph on that pole that uh, Moses gave to the people. But this time when we look up at the cross, as ugly as it is, as hateful as that was, as terrible, with so much suffering and so much sorrow that we'll taste tomorrow through Mary. But what, what did we discover on that cross? Love, forgiveness. I always say the power of the cross isn't that there was a cross, but how, not that Jesus died on it, but how he died. Because he did not let the horror of that cross make him a horrible person. He became more loving and even more forgiving. And in the face of such ugliness, he could say, Father, forgive them all, they know not what they do. Now that's power. That's power. That's grace and blessing. And we're called to look up at the cross often. As I told the children at the last Mass, what is the thing we do more than anything else in our prayer? Forever doing this. Theoretically, we start every prayer this way, we end every prayer this way, and about 50% or more of the cars that pass by this church stop and do this. Always doing it. I used to watch the gang members in Venice doing it on their way to go probably shoot somebody. They were making the sign of the cross. And it just, it just was amazing to me. We, we, we love the cross. The cross is central. But I hope we see the cross more than anything as a, as a source of love and forgiveness. It's like a font, like a blessing font. And the more that we look up to that, you know, we say, behold the wood of the cross. Behold, because the Savior, who we say saved us from our sins, but I think he saved us most of all from our inhumanity, that rather than become like those who killed him, he showed them how to really live, and that was to love and forgive no matter what. So we come to this great feast, the exaltation of the Holy Cross, and we should exalt the cross and exalt the cross in our lives and then look at every little cross that we live through as a challenge to us, not to, as I like to say, not to become bitter, but to become better.